Okay, so you know I love good wordplay. And Third Love is crushing their wordplay here. When you have a bra that pinches or slips or just isn't comfortable at all or is comfortable but isn't your style, you've got problems. <laughs> How excited was Third Love when they thought of problems? Well done, Third Love. I see you. When you wear Third Love bras, you've got no problems. They fix the problem of size exclusivity with their famous half-cup sizes that revolutionized the industry by giving more options to find a bra that fits. And they fixed the problem of guessing what bra will fit you with their virtual fitting room and other helpful guides. A bra size chart, a bra 101 education section that's basically an FAQ for all your burning questions, and a ton of great reviews from real people. My sister just texted me, 99 problems, but pinching <laughs> isn't one. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code podcast15. Think about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby. We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this, there is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs. And that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry, healthy, and beautiful. And when you use Swaddler's in tandem with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, you'll keep your baby's skin healthy. The wipes are made from 100% plant-based cloth and you won't have to worry about tearing. With free and gentle, mess meets its match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. And through the joy and pain that are We are back. You are back. We are all back. <laughs> Here we are together again for We Can Do Hard Things. It's almost the end of the year, which is so wild. It's insane. And so we have Baffling. been thinking about this year. We actually, sister and Abby and I spent a lot of time together this past week, and we've been talking so much about the unexpected <clears throat> joy of this year, which has been this podcast. This time together, this community, this completely new creative project for us, it's really led to us thinking about how this all began, about how this podcast, this We Can Do Hard Things podcast that has come to mean so much to us began. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking a lot about how many months ago, and you know that I have no idea how many months ago, it could have been one or or 13. So see how many months has it been? Six? When this, when we started dreaming this thing up. You first brought it up in February okay. and then I just skillfully avoided it, writing back about it for a solid month. So I just kept kind of being like, look, an eagle to try to get, distract you from it. Yes. But then you started, you 
you became unrelenting about it in like April. Okay. So that makes perfect sense because I think it was right around this time last year that I just started feeling like something was off and wrong and, and I was not, I felt like off mission and like untethered Mm -hmm. in my work. And, Mm -hmm. and this is because at that point we were just coming down or not even coming down yet from the untamed extravaganza, which was just like constant interviews, constant daily, like talking about the book, talking Mm -hmm. about to people I didn't know, to interviewers, to just all these people that I did not know talking mm-hmm. about the work. And, mm-hmm. and and I just started to feel very untethered. Um, and so we went away for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And that is super helpful to me sometimes to get out of my house because when I'm in my house, I love puttering and house domestic things so much that <laughs> I can distract myself very easily. Just like move. I, I could, I could wake up in the morning and move things around my house all day. And that's my joy. Just move things around. <laughs> it's un- Believable. Right. So it's fun for me and it's my joy, but it's also a way of staying distracted. So I don't have to figure mm-hmm. anything out. So going most away people was scroll on their phones and you just scroll through your house. I scroll through my house. I'll catch her looking at a bookshelf, just staring at it. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh no, in a few hours, <laughs> that whole bookshelf will be on the floor in front of me. Yeah. And I will have to figure out how to put it back together differently. That's right, because I'm an amazing starter of things and not a finisher. And every relationship needs a starter and a finisher because without the starters, (laughs) nothing gets started. Without the finishers, all the books stay on the floor forever because the starter begins with a very hopeful version of herself. And then the starter gets tired. (laughs) The the reality of the project sets in. Right. And that's when you shine. That's where I shine. I mean, look, it's also just purely based out of like wanting the house to to be finished looking. Right. Yeah. And Otherwise the starter it doesn't just, care. Yeah. Yeah. Starter doesn't really care. So, so we go away. I'm stuck with myself in this room. And I realize that the reason I feel untethered and I feel off mission is because I've been talking about my work to people I don't know for a year. Mm-hmm. And what I love and what I do and what my work is, is to speak directly to my people mm-hmm. about whatever the hell is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I had this removal situation where, you know, when I, when I started writing on the blog, it was me to you, like you listener, not you sister, like me to you every day. I'd wake up in my little house and I'd go into my, actually it was a playroom back then. And I would just write my my inner self to directly to you every day. And that is what I did. And, and so what I realized is, oh, things have gotten bigger and wider and I need to get back to the small and directness. Right. Mm -hmm. So then I started doing the morning meetings. Yep. To directly me to you. And that I used to do them on Instagram and that was awesome, except it wasn't exactly right because it was social media. That was one of my challenges was like, wait a minute, I want to be having these really nuanced, tender, vulnerable conversations about the gray of life. And I'm hosting it, trying to host those kinds of conversations on social media. And 
there's some beauty there. We all know that. There's also, it's a very hard environment and, and maybe it's hard because it's not designed for that. It never was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, I felt like it wasn't safe for me. Hmm. I never felt fully safe there being my most vulnerable self. And I, the, the worst part was that I kept feeling like maybe I, this is not safe for, for my community. Mm-hmm. I'm inviting them to a place over and over again where I'm not sure actually it is the best place for them to share their most vulnerable selves. So what was the solution? What was the solution to this? And then one day, Abby had been saying we should start a podcast forever. I thought podcasts at that point were for like boys talking about sports. Like I had never listened to a podcast. I had no idea what a podcast (laughs) could be, right? Mm -hmm. And it was that few days away. I remember writing to you and thinking, what if we do it this way? What if a Mm -hmm. podcast is a way where we can actually have First of all, we can speak directly to our people again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a way where we kind of create the rules for the community, where we create the vibe, where we are able to be safe because it's a little bit removed from, from social. Mm-hmm. And there's no audience for it. Like right. it, it felt like it was us having dinner, a really intimate conversation over dinner that we got to invite one person to the table yeah. every time, you know, and that, and just speak directly with that one person. So it felt more intimate. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're hosting a giant, you know, circus like yes. social media sometimes feels. It feels like a, like having dinner together. Well, and you said this yeah. before about like being a creative artist. So much of your work, you write a book, takes a long process to create and then you go out and you have to talk about the the art that you just made. And so over time that just becomes soul crushing. It does. You know, and so I think that what was really beautiful about this last few months watching you come alive hmm. again by creating, you and know, directly. By by creating something that was going directly to these pod squatters and by also like for you to be in the process of creation is life-giving mm-hmm. for you, right? Like I could tell you were more active. You were more upbeat. Your mood was, was more positive and yeah, you had bad days, but I think over the whole, it was a much more stabilized mm. confrontation with your inner world because mm. you weren't at a, like you, your, your being needs to be creating and there's a difference between creating and promoting. And that's, that's exactly a very right. strange part of my job, which is make a thing and then go talk about the thing. That's right. So the point is, it's so wild because here we are. We decided to do this thing where we would come back together, just the three of us in this small way, sister and her, where you're in Bobby's bedroom right now. We, yeah, my son's little window seat. Yeah. So you and I finally got out of the bathroom in the yeah, we've a had a few now. different places. Remember, we started this when we were still living in Florida. Oh my God, and by the right. way, might I remind you, I wasn't going to be a person that does this. <laughs> she weren't even on the podcast. No, it was just you and Sissy at first. And then was, somehow you wrote me into no, it. No, no, I wasn't. Nope. It was just supposed to be Glennon at first. Let the record show <laughs> that it was Glennon's podcast with Glennon. And then we got conscripted like it's a damn army. Over oh my here. God. <laughs> I forgot about that. Remember I recorded a bunch of these. I started recording the podcast. The podcast was going to be just me. And I was alone in my closet 
recording these things. Oh and my then gosh. I realized they sucked. Yeah, they were they were pretty <laughs> They were just sucky. Long-winded of you. They were just boring <laughs> and I remember thinking, "Oh, okay, so this maybe a it. podcast is a conversation." <laughs> and so the problem is is that I'm alone. <laughs> I'm doing this all wrong. I don't know how to podcast. So you two came in and and that is such a better reflection of who I am now anyway, is just who I am is this relationship really between the three of us. Mm-hmm. And so we did this little small thing. And then freaking last week, somebody wrote to us and told us that Apple had decided that our little We Can Do Our Things podcast is the number one podcast of the entire year. <laughs> we were like, the number, wait. Yeah. What? I know. And we were actually all together at the time that this came out and that that news came out. And I just remember being like, wow. And and then I felt sweaty because I was like, wait, I don't. That means other people are listening to it. Yeah. Like, that's scary. What what have we said? (laughs) A lot. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. Number one um, new podcast of 2021 with Apple top podcast of the year, Amazon. It's on all of the lists. And to me, it just shows how much we really all have a deep need for to be in conversation and to laugh and to connect and to just tell the truth and how much we aren't doing that. I mean- I, it's not like a way of life. I wasn't doing it before doing it here, you know? And I think that it's just, it's just beautiful to me. And also how amazing it is that people, um, like the threads that run among people that you would have no idea just from walking out in the world, you know, Mm -hmm. when you say something and throw it out there and you're like, this is odd, but this is what I'm thinking. If I didn't care that you would think I was crazy for saying it. Mm-hmm. And people are like, also me, yes, also me, me too. you know? <laughs> yes. It makes us feel suddenly like we're all stuck in these little weird worlds. And then when we share our weird, weird world, we realize it's not a weird world at all. It's just the world. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. this is all of our internal worlds. And then that process over and over again, what I have learned through this is that then we just feel more co- cozy and brave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, earth. remember the, the, the bathroom episode for me going into bathrooms, the anxiety. Oh yeah. Do you know what's completely subsided? Tell, wait, tell, remind them of that. So of as you... a reminder, I have pretty much since I cut my hair short, um, have, uh, have been getting confused for being in the wrong bathroom when I'm in a woman's bathroom. You know, I'm, I definitely present more masculine, um, my hair is short. I'm tall. I'm very muscular, or at least I was for many, many years of my life. And ever since I talked about it on, on this podcast, podcast. Mm-hmm. and I heard from people about how this happens to them too, it made me feel like, oh, not only that I'm not alone here, mm-hmm. but like, oh, I think that it it's my responsibility to also like get over it. Because I'm just going to carry this with me for the rest of my life if I don't just like get over it. And And you don't deserve that. And stop letting other people have that 
that personal power over me so that I feel like in a weird way, I'm like this, a leader in the world. It's like, Uh, oh, I've got to be, I've got to get myself over this mm. so that I can prove that it's possible. And then one day you came home and this was just a few weeks after the, we talked about it on the podcast. And you said something, you, we sat down upstairs on the living room couch. You said something weird is happening. I'm not getting upset in bathrooms anymore. Yeah. And, and, and it's not that anything had changed. People were still reacting the same way. Oh yeah. They were still giving me the weird looks the whole bit. And also I have to remember when I'm in there because my MO is to get in there and to, to do my business and literally probably like in, from some people's perspectives, like run. Yeah, I'm, you do. I'm you running run out of the bathroom because mm. I don't want to, I don't want to freak anybody out. Or, and now I'm just like, I'm taking my time. And mm. it was just the sharing. It was, it was just, just the, the sharing, sharing and the yeah. hearing back the me too's that changed yeah. the entire experience. Yeah. And that's how my whole life is. Yeah. I feel less scared all of the time. Not, not scared, but less scared all of the time, all the days. Yeah. Because I know that my experience is not unique. Well, it's like, it's this whole idea of once you say the thing that you might feel ashamed of, because I think I was carrying shame mm-hmm. around with it. Once I said it out loud, it just completely takes away this shame thing. So what we want to say is these awards have been pretty cool, but what we know is that we are going to stick to what is our job and our mission, which is no matter how wide things ever get, we are going to stay deep. Mm -hmm. We are going to stay small. We are going to keep talking directly to you about our lives and our hearts and the truth. Um, and if you keep showing up, we're going to keep showing up too. That's right. Right, Sissy? That's exactly right. And I think that this is a cool time at the end of the year to be, you know, not only thinking about this whole year, but thinking about next year and the conversations that, you know, we want to be having. And we definitely want this to be a conversation. So we want to hear from everyone in the pod squad of what you want to talk about and what matters to you and what you're struggling with and, and all of that. So I think that we should keep those ideas coming because this is a fluid conversation and we want to be responsive to what is on your minds too. Yeah. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you are feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Their specialized recruiting professionals engage with their proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing, and creative legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Let's talk about what the the actual impact that this pod has made in our lives. Like what have you learned? Personally? Yeah. Oh. Like what have you learned about oh, yourself or what would you say has had the biggest impact on you from this? Are you asking me? I am. Can I be honest? No. <laughs> well, okay. So I think one of the things that I was afraid of, and this is kind of why I was a little bit at first letting you kind of do it with sister, not letting you, but just like being very okay being on the periphery. 
it's because I didn't know how we would work together mm-hmm. on something that was like your creative brave baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. what I we work a lot together. We do we do speaking events together. We are um, out in the world together. We have worked together. Mm-hmm. So this is not like the first time, but this would be the first time I was going to be kind of jumping on board with your creative vision. Yes. Cause usually we're doing stuff for other people, for right? other people. And so I get to show up as myself and you get to show up <laughs> as yourself. I'm not trying to like make you boss happy. Right. right? I'm not right. trying to please you boss. I'm trying to like be Abby and be wife. Yes. And I think that that was really nerve wracking for me at first. And it's interesting because, you know, we spent this last week together. And one of the things that I have been understanding, I've developed a little bit of anxiety over the last couple of weeks or months by doing this, not by doing this, but I've realized what about the last few months has changed? And this is the thing that has changed Mm -hmm. the most. Mm. And so I've been thinking a little bit about it and What I think I have put my finger on, correct me if you think uh, that I'm wrong here, but you both have a process of of how to achieve best results for yourselves in creativity. Um, And Glennon, I know what your process is. And sister, I think I'm pretty aware of what your process is. And basically what your process is, is to uh, create this beautiful idea, but also be as prepared as you possibly can be prepared because at that point, then you feel free to be yourself. Right. And I've never operated that way. And I don't mean to say this in a, in a flippant way. I, and, and not that I underprepare, but that I rely on myself to show up as my present self. And that is what my magic is. Mm. I have found. Mm. But watching Mm. you two kind of walk through this creative process and seeing how you both um, spend hours and hours preparing for every single project. It has made me feel insecure. Ah. It has Mm. made me feel woefully insecure. So when I sit down in this seat and I I put my mouth towards this microphone, I think I'm the worst one. (laughs) I'm, I'm the weak link. And that is a very strange place for me to be in. Yeah. What a foreign, what a foreign concept to you. Yeah. You're and like, so what? I've actually the last the last week since this realization of how, like how this anxiety has manifested, um, I've been thinking about that. Like, what what does weak link mean to you? And all of this, and it's like, oh no 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 no, this is a team. If I'm given the space to be myself. To, to show up completely as myself. I will thrive. In your way. In my because way. Because yeah. it's not just you. I mean, I think you're being sweet to say, to not bring up my part in making you feel contributing to your insecurity because <laughs> why don't you tell them about uh, the time you had to sit me down and ask me to not be so mean with my eyes during the podcast. There is a vision. There's a vision. For every podcast. What everyone needs to know, Pod Squatter is that there is a vision for the beginning, middle, and end of this. It feels like it's just a conversation. It's like when I'm on stage and people are like, oh my God, you're so natural. I could never just come up with all of that. And I'm like, neither could I. I've been practicing this. I write it. I write it, I write it, I write it. Then I record it. Then I speak it into a phone. Then I spend hours listening back to yeah. myself on a phone with my dogs. I have this vision of the of the 
episode, right? And then there's a through line. And I get very nervous when we don't mm-hmm. stay on, mm-hmm. on the thread. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and you're not a threader. <laughs> and you- so here's the thing. I noticed early on in those first couple of episodes that I was more present on and contributing to that anytime I would go on a tangent, the eyeballs of my wife would get big and then Mm -hmm. she would also point to the screen where I have some notes. She has some notes and she would make a reference. She would do a circular motion. Wrap like it so, up. Wrap it like, up, Wombok. Like giving me the energy because she can't say it. Right. So pod squatters, you're just right there listening. You can only hear me. So you think I'm sweet. You can't mm-hmm. see you are sweet. my laser eyes but you shooting have, into you my have life. A, a grander plan. And I know this. So, of course, I oblige in those moments. And you get nervous and I make you nervous. Yes. And so it forced me to have to have a conversation with you. Yes. On behalf of myself. And. Though sister never told me, I knew that she was thinking the same thing. (laughs) I had to have a conversation with you about the difference of process that I have. Yes. And how sometimes when you're so worrying about that, that thread, that line that we're supposed to be um, maintaining throughout the the conversation, Mm -hmm. that it's stifling my ability to actually have conversation. It steals, Mm -hmm. it steals your magic. Yeah. Because we have different magic. Yeah. And marriage is hard mm. because it's combining <laughs> two different magics and respecting each other's magic. That's right. Because I will tell you that it is a old story and it is not true. But the old story for me is people who don't prepare say that their magic is presence, but really they're just lazy and don't want to prepare. That's right. Like, oh my God. Please see every person who has ever, every best man or matron of honor who has ever stood up at a wedding and say, you know what? I'm just going to speak from the heart. And I'm like, you are an asshole (laughs) who failed to prepare for your best friend who is standing up there on their most prepared day of their life and deserve your best. And you just want to speak from the heart? Uh How about some some index cards? That's right. How about a plan, people? So So yes, I operate very much from that story. I've spoken at from the heart at weddings. (laughs) Yeah. And crushed. <laughs> okay. People yeah. came up to me after sister and were like, that was the best wedding speech I've ever heard. I'm like, I know. Okay. So here's, so the, so the thing is, I'm, I'm saying that I, I don't know if sister's there yet, but I am saying that I understand that part of that is just an old story. And, sure. And so pod squatter sweep. I'm so worried now about anyone who's ever stood up and said they're speaking from the heart. We're not saying you were wrong. We're saying well, you mm. were wrong, probably. For you. <laughs> no, 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 You were wrong for you. For, for me. For you and for sister. Sister right. and you would never be like able to do that, comfort-wise. I would only, well, I'll say it this way. I would only be able to speak from the heart if I knew that I had spent the time inventorying my heart for what would be of highest value in honoring that person. That's right. And for me, because my love language is helping I view it as you have failed to take the time and consideration to know what would actually be of highest value to that person. You're going against what happens to be in your heart. I actually think it's super fascinating because it it, it speaks to everything. It speaks to how we show up for everything. Yes. Like, do we just, I, for one, 
I had to, because I ended up in this situation somehow where I'm constantly having to show up to do scary things like Mm -hmm. speaking on podcasts to millions of people, being on stages, being on whatever, and also being an anxious person. I had, I used to have different phases where I was like, okay, phase one, prepare, prepare for whatever's about to happen. Prepare with all of your little might. Mm -hmm. Phase two, dread it, stress about it, rue the day you were born. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Phase three. Think of all the 10 ways you can cancel. Exactly. And pray for a monsoon. Exactly. (laughs) Then phase three, show up for the thing. Okay. (sighs) So now- horrible. Now, right. Well, I have over the decade and a half I've been doing this, mostly ruled out phase two. And then when I get to the thing, I have this deal that with God that's like, okay, I showed up, your turn, mm-hmm. you show up. And mm-hmm. then it is a relinquishment of all anxiety and of all f- past preparation. Mm-hmm. It's like, any, mm-hmm. I did it all, but now I'm not in my head trying to remember all of it. It's just poof. And now I'm present. Because of the preparation. Mm -hmm. You are able to be unlocked when you're prepared. So your preparedness unlocks who you are. Mm -hmm. And Abby's showing up present without the burden of thinking there is like 14 things I must say, I want to say them. That is what unlocks her magic is that she's fully present and can be responsive to it. So there isn't like a right way. There's just a right way for you. I do feel that no matter who we are and what we're doing, what I have learned is if I'm going to keep showing up in any way, big or small, there has to be this, and I would recommend this for everybody listening, there has to be this insistence, this relentless reminder and insistence that whatever way you is best for you to show up, that when you do and if you do, it, what you have in that moment will be enough. Mm-hmm. And that is the only way I can continue to do this work in any way. And by the way, I think I, I always think I'm tricking myself because I'm like, there's no way that it's going to be enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, let's mm-hmm. just decide that it is. Well, and 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 that enoughness has to be decided on from every individual because I can't take on your preparation no. strategy and use it as my own because then I will always feel completely like unprepared and that I have not prepared enough and that this is going to go horribly wrong. And then well, just because and of it that. does. Can you please tell the story oh, of the no. one time that you tried to do Glennon's preparations? <laughs> style because I still oh, pee in my pants I when I think is, about that time. I can't believe just I'm tell, saying this story. Tell the people the fireside chat fail. story. Yeah. I'm sweating oh already. Okay. Well, this is when I was trying to make you like me. <laughs> you I were to trying preface- to do your best for her. I was yes. trying That's to what make- you're trying to do. I just have to preface this, that this is the biggest bomb of my life <laughs> for sure. Like, Professionally speaking, this was the, the the worst performance I have ever in my life had. So I was asked to come and participate and do this speech a couple years back. It was for Time's Up, right? It was a Time's right Up event. Right after Time's Up had all yep. happened after. They did this conference and they were like, hey, why don't you come and talk, give, you know, I had just done the, the Barnard commencement speech and 
Wolfpack book had yet to come out. And so they were excited I was going to come and, you know, rile them up and excite them and in all my feminist glory ways. <laughs> and so I, Glenn and I brought you, we, we flew in at the time to LA and the night before there was a dinner and Glennon looked around and she saw tons of fancy people. Well, I saw tons, tons of women activist people. Yeah. And people that were in the zone of women and activism. Yes. I just re- looked around and realized, oh shit, this is like really <laughs> important. We got back to the room and I just started spinning. I just started losing it because <laughs> I yeah. realized whatever, what I believed was that whatever you're going to say to these people is going to change the trajectory of the world. Yes, that's right. And so that night I had my questions because I was going to be in conversation with this woman in a fireside chat model, right? So it was just her and I up there. She would ask me a question and I would answer it. Emphasis on the chat. Yeah. Chat. chat. And so Glennon starts to write down because she wanted (laughs) to practice some of my answers like, hey, Oh, here's a question. Like, what would you say? You know, and I would give the answer and she's like, all right, so here's what I would say. (laughs) And uh, these are the three points I would make, you know, during the answer of this question. I'm like, okay, great. So she writes this out and in essay form, in essay form. And and immediately I start to develop a kind of anxiety, like, because y'all don't know this. I have real memorizing anxiety. Like I, 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 I have a blockage. I cannot do it. And when your wife, who we were, you know, this is like still new. We were very new at the time. When your wife is writing down all of this stuff t- for me to regurgitate, I was like, you know what will we'll make me feel a little bit better is if we, we get these all down and just print it out so I can look it over and just have it. You know, <laughs> I, I'll just have it. I'll just have it in case I need to reference it beforehand. Yes. Right. Before yes. the fight. So I gave you like. And it was really good. It was very so good. good. Very it was good. Like five. It was like ten pages. It was another mm-hmm. amazing commencement speech. It was is what so it was. It was like five commencement speeches. The problem is again, I I struggled to memorize. So I brought the paper up to the podium. I think like Natalie Portman was in the front row. Every like all the Times Up lawyers, politicians, everybody, yeah. Amy Schu, everybody Honey, in this room. We get it. We get it. In there this were a lot room, of, there were a lot of people there. And this is like the worst bomb of my life. And so she starts asking me questions, the moderator, and I forget everything. I forget. And so I pull paper, I pull the paper out of my pocket. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I made some notes. So, So I start in a fireside chat. I start an intimate conversation. Glennon's words <laughs> because I'm she Glennon's in the audience and I want to say the words correctly. The worst part was she was trying to pretend she wasn't reading it. Like she, yeah. the lady would say, so what do you think about this? And Abby would act like she was off the she off the cuff. She'd go, well, <laughs> what I think. And then she'd pull out the paper and read it verbatim. <laughs> I mean, it was so fucking embarrassing. And so this couldn't, this moment couldn't end quick enough. And I sit down, people clap. leave the stage. And I sit down and I just, 
next to Glenn and I couldn't even look at her. And I was like, well, that was just the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. <laughs> and I can't wait to get out of here. Like, we need to leave this place as soon as possible. The lesson here, folks, is to just not ever leave yourself behind. Yes. Is yes. to not ever leave yourself behind and like. Do it your way. But I was trying to help. I know. I know you were. I know. But you were helping in the way that would help you. Right. This is our big mm -hmm. problem in our marriage right. is that when you help people, you actually have to help them in the way that will help them best. Not in the way that oh. it would help you best. Oh, retweet. In a relationship, you have to actually help them in a way that helps them instead oh. of oh. how how you wish it should help them okay so it's not treat others as you wish to be treated no it's not no. it's treat others as they wish to be treated as they as they wish and need to be treated yes Single-handedly impacting our environment for the better, that's a daunting task. But it's possible, and there are incredible people who are living proof that setting your mind to something and really being passionate about it will bring about change. The Goldman Environmental Prize is the world's foremost award honoring grassroots environmental activists. Each year, the prize honors six ordinary people who are making an extraordinary impact for the planet. If you look at this year's winners, you'll learn about Marcel Gomez, who exposed the links between a company's meatpacking practices and illegal deforestation, which led to a major boycott of that company's products. Amazing. You'll learn about Andrea Vidalre, whose relentless leadership resulted in California adopting its most ambitious emissions reduction regulations in history. And there are more amazing stories to discover I can't imagine stories more important than these. Find the stories of this year's prize winners at goldmanprize.org. I feel like we've been talking for absolutely ever, so maybe we should get to a couple questions from our sweet pod squatters. We're going to hear from Francesca. Hi, my name is Francesca. I am a middle school teacher, and my question is, what is your opinion or advice on how to teach children who are not your children how to do hard things? I feel like as the years go on, the students that I teach are less and less willing to even attempt hard things. The minute that it gets difficult, they want to just shut down or quit or find an easy way out. And I try to motivate them through pep talks and some exercises to teach them to persevere. But if you had any additional ideas, I would love that. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day. Love it. Francesca, thank you for being a teacher. Yeah. I was a teacher. That's how I started my life. And I um, just have such a deep, deep love and respect for teachers. So thank you. It makes perfect sense that kiddos right now um, would struggle with seeing perseverance as something that they can commit to. Because the memo that our parenting generation got was like, don't let your kids struggle. The second your kid struggles, rush in and fix it for them. 
that's what we were told. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's what we believed was good parenting, right? Protect your kids from pain, protect your kids from struggle. Don't let them hurt. And so because we have fixed and fixed and fixed and rushed in every time things get hard for our kids, me for sure included, what we accidentally taught them was that they can't do hard things. Because if they could, if we believed that they could do hard things, we wouldn't keep rushing in and and fixing it. So what they learn is, oh, I guess I wasn't meant to do this hard thing because this is when the older people swoop in and save me from it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. so it makes sense. I wouldn't for sure not say it's not these kiddos fault. We just haven't allowed them to sit and struggle enough to let them figure out that they can in fact overcome struggle. I mean, I, I love, I love the idea of just changing what success means for kiddos. We have one little one who, when she started playing soccer, every game, <laughs> once that her team started losing, or if she did anything wrong, less than perfect, on the, she would stand on the field and just cry. And sometimes it wasn't even about losing, or it was when the intense pressure built yeah. up. Yep. It would just, we'd, Abby would go, uh oh. She's we'd starting. Hear, here She's it is. losing it. And she would stand on the field and stop moving <laughs> and just ball. Okay. Now, because that comes crying in public, crying on this, on the sports field comes with, with its own embarrassment. Right. So she was, she was stunned. She was stunned by her own <laughs> crying. And then the cycle of she crying and then stunned by herself. Yeah. And then of course, Abby wouldn't let me rush and get her. Cause that would worsen everything. So we would just have to sit there and she would ball. Okay. So is, got, the, is the game still like actively yes, happening yes. around here? Washington? It is going, it is happening. And then, and then the embarrassment <sighs> from the crying, but you know, you can't stop crying once you've no. started. So one day <laughs> we talked to her and she shared sort of with us about how it just felt like the end of the world when they were losing mm. or when something went wrong. Like it just felt like the end of the world because that was failure. And so we had this long talk with her where we decided, okay, so honey, we're going to like move the goalpost for you. Okay. We're going to change what the idea is of success and failure for you during your game. Okay. Mm -hmm. Success for you is not if your team wins. Success is not if you make any, no mistakes. Success for you is when things start to go wrong. And they will. And they will. When you start losing, when you miss a ball, when you, whatever happens, terrible. And she said, I'm not going to cry. And we said, oh, no, 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 no. Crying is fine. Success is going to be when the thing goes wrong, if you start crying, you're just going to keep moving. You can't stop playing. You're going to cry and play. (laughs) (laughs) That is raging success for this family. Okay. (laughs) If you screw up the game. And you burst out crying on the field, but you keep running. Mm -hmm. We are going to be wildly proud of you. That is the biggest win in our family that can that can ever happen. None of us just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep keep swimming. swimming. And we still say it a decade later. We still say, just cry and play, cry and play, Mm -hmm. cry and play. So I don't know. Basically, what we were trying to teach her is the struggle is the success. Mm -hmm. It's not the failure. It's not a sign of failure. 
the feeling of the struggle, the hard, and staying in it is the success, is the win, which is kind of the same for a kid who's in the classroom with Francesca and is like trying to do a math problem and it's not coming easy for them or trying to do cursive and it's not coming easy for them and their brain tells them because our we have accidentally told them failure, 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 as opposed mm-hmm. to feeling the heart and being like, oh, this is the good stuff. This is where I, if I keep going, this is where I make progress. This is mm-hmm. where I learn. Right. I have a little bit of a different perspective on the motivation thing because my struggle with it is different with um, my son's ADHD. I think for me, I've always viewed motivation as like, you sit down and you continue working on this thing until it's done. Hmm. Like how, how can you just like tap out, you know, like we're going to sit down and we're going to do it. And it, and it led to a lot of struggles with us kids with ADHD. She said, um, it's very hard to get them to, what did she say? Like persevere through what gets difficult. And it is very typical for, for kids like my son to have very low frustration thresholds. Mm -hmm. That's a very typical sign. So what, what may look like early, you know, copping out of something is actually a, a reflection of my actual threshold for frustration is lower than somebody else's Mm -hmm. threshold of frustration. And it actually, ironically, um, I always viewed it as lazy. I mean, with apologies to myself and my family, like that's just was my perspective on it. You're, you're just, you're giving up so early. You don't care about doing good things Mm -hmm. like you. And, but it's actually the, the clinical word for low frustration threshold is perfectionism, Mm -hmm. which blew my mind because I was looking around and I was like, I don't see any evidence of perfectionism around here. (laughs) (laughs) But it's because I am so afraid that I can't do this perfectly, that I am cutting bait before I even get thwarted in it um, at all. So there's that piece of it. I think it's viewing it as perfectionism instead Mm -hmm. of like laziness Mm -hmm. and helping them work through to that. And then I think the other part of it is that we would sit down and I would say like, we are not getting up until this is done. You know, we are going to learn to have some perseverance and be motivated and get through things. And after a few times, and he would just look at me one time, he just looked at me and he said, my body needs to get up and run. Oh, And I realized in this moment that I have been teaching these kids over and over and over again, since they were babies to trust their bodies and trust themselves. And I was letting my biases about what being motivated looks like, what success looks like, what being willing to lean into the hard looks like, that I was making him deny the needs of his body. Hmm. Um, and so we just have a new understanding of that. It's just he, you know, when we're doing something, we're like, you have six minutes of this, and then you're going to run for five minutes. And then we're going to do six minutes. And then you're going to run for five minutes. Because for me, that's just as important that he understands himself that way. Just like my daughter knows she doesn't have to hug and kiss any relative that she doesn't want to. Just like no one in my family has to clean their plate. Just like, no, you know, continuing to turn into their bodies is going to be how they'll trust themselves to know that they can push through things. It's turned out to be the theme of this episode. It reminds me of like me trying to help Abby Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. according to my <clears throat> own mind and spirit and body needs. Yeah. And yeah. love is not that, right? Love is like help seeing. him as he would like to be helped. And as the way he, he like can be, be helped is to work through it and then do what his body needs and then work through it and do what his body needs. I-X-L. Remember those three letters the next time your child asks you for help on homework. IXL Learning is an online learning community for kids that covers core subjects like math, science, and social studies in a helpful, feedback-driven way. So the fact that we cannot help our children with our homework now, which I actually cannot and stop being able to help them with after fourth grade, has been solved. IXL Learning's advanced algorithm is backed by research and in studies done in nearly every state across the country, those who use IXL are consistently performing better in school. Plus, their subscription covers pre-K to 12th grade, and that wide range of ages and subjects is one of the many reasons why IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and We Can Do Hard Things listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash can. Visit IXL.com slash we can if you cannot help your child with their homework anymore. And there, get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, so let's jump right into our next right thing because we had an awesome question that we're going to use for our next right thing. My name is Erica, and I know we can do hard things, but how about an easy thing? I cannot figure out how to leave a rating for your podcast. I like it, so I would like to leave a rating, and I I can't figure it out. Help me do an easy thing. Thank you. Goodbye. (laughs) Erica is our matron saint. Of the, the fact that we can do hard things, but we cannot do easy things. Y'all, I didn't um, even know that you could rate this. Yes, it's a big deal to rate because How do you it, do it? it helps us in some way that I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't um, know how to rate. Do you know, sister? I bet you I do. do. I do. So uh, every platform is different. So you will have to go to wherever you listen to your podcast it might be Apple. It might be Spotify. It might be Amazon. You can do one where you just do the number of stars and you go to look at the reviews and it has all the stars and you click on the number of stars that you like. Or there's actually a place, a link that says submit a review. You scroll down to where you're looking at everybody else's reviews. Click submit a review. You can write one up and submit it. But only do that if you love our podcast. If you don't love our podcast, forget everything we just said and move right along. Oh my gosh. Okay? And while we're doing this for the next right thing, go ahead and leave a review and a rating. That would be amazing. And also, can you all please write to us or or leave a voicemail or just contact us and let us know what do you want us to talk about as a community in 2022? What kind of topics, what kind of guests, what kind of thoughts, ideas, any of it. We want this to be a conversation, not just us talking at you. We want to hear what you want this to be in this coming year because we are committed. We are going to keep showing up in 2022. We don't know what kind of year it's going to be. In general, human beings are not making predictions anymore. But we do know it's going to be hard. So we we're do. on we're on theme. Okay. Yes. We don't know much, but it'll be hard. <laughs> and it'll it, be together. 
Okay. Right. We'll um, the phone number is 747-200-5307. That's 747-200-5307. We love you. We can do hard things. We'll see you back here soon. Bye. I give you Tish Melton and Brandy Carlisle. I walked through fire, I came out the other side. I chased desire, I made sure I got what's mine. And I continued to Thank you.
Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Especially be sure to rate and review the podcast if you really liked it. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's fine.